An example for an HR professional could be, hey, I have 500 resumes here. I am looking for name, uh, address, and, uh, coding skills or something like that. And I want to extract that from all uh, 500 resumes. You can build that application all by yourself. No need. Uh, the first 1,000 credits are for free. Good morning, good evening, and welcome all. Welcome back to many of you. And today, a special mention to Luke, who I was talking to this week, who's recently found the podcast and decided he quite likes them. Luke's based in the US, he's an actuary, and he's working his way through some of the back catalogue of our 277 episodes. Well, thanks, Luke. Hope that's going to keep you uh, entertained over the holiday season. But today, I'm back under the covers of the generative AI tools that are reshaping how we work. And I'm talking to Baz Tahui from Instabase. Now, Baz has been one of my guys through the fast-changing world of Gen AI over the last 12 months. So I'm really pleased now to give you the chance to join us as I discover the latest developments at Instabase, including reviewing how you can access some of the company's tools to see how it works firsthand and look out for the uh, link to that. Now, if you're wondering how to share your stories with the world, well, please do come and join the collaboration of the curious at www.instec.co. Who knows, maybe you could be one of our guests next year. Okay, Baz, as you're an expert in this area of generative AI, and uh, I think you're ready for this, we're going to try out something slightly different, this introduction. So normally, I write the introduction one of my team does, and we run it past the guest and they review it. In this case, you've kindly agreed to accept as provisional the chat GPT version of the introduction. So I'm going to tell you what chat GPT suggested we use, and, and then you're going to tell me how it did. And, and what was interesting, actually, is there's something in this that it'll be pretty obvious when I get to it that, to me, was something very different than chat GPT is doing that we're going to talk a bit about. Are you, are you up for that? Yeah, let's go for it. I'm excited to hear what ChatGPT came up with for me. Great. Well, you're excited. So it's ChatGPT, because here we go. So today we are excited to host Bastian Dehuy, insurance leader and growth market leader at Instabase. Now, according to ChatGPT, Instabase is a tech trailblazer specializing in extracting insights from unstructured data and automating wind flows with a wind flows, that should be workflows. With a growing impact, Instabase boasts open brackets, provide a specific number, close brackets, of employees and serves diverse markets. And its offering includes processing commercial submissions and managing complex claims. Bastian is going to shed light on how Instabase's innovative technology is shaping the future of enterprise growth. So how did ChatGPT do? Not too bad, really. I mean, what ChatGPT doesn't know, obviously, are some of the uniquely human aspects. So I t- tend to go by Bass for everyone who knows me. But you, know, you wouldn't know that from a LinkedIn profile. I think that Likewise, Instabase has been making strides over the last six to, to 10 months, uh, whereby we've actually expanded our time outside of enterprise into the mid-market. But overall, I think that ChatGPT did reasonably well. I want to pick up as well on the brackets that you mentioned. So Instabase currently you know, has about 350 employees. Uh, but I think that it's interesting that, that it actually did that. It didn't where it wasn't sure that it didn't actually make up a number. Yeah, it's really interesting, isn't it? I'm pretty sure if we'd done that a few months ago, uh, ChatGPT would have hallucinated and just made up a number. Because I'd never seen that before where ChatGPT is getting a bit humble, isn't it? It's actually now coming back and saying, I don't know, go and find, find information. Have you seen that you know, more broadly across ChatGPT and other sort of open source generative AI models or large language models? 
Well, we see it like in two places, really, both with our own customers and you know in our own practice. So one of the ways in which I use generative AI is to generate uh, test documents to to test on and to demonstrate to to customers how you know things work. And so, like one of the documents that I generated was a, a litigation email to demonstrate like how Instabase would process litigation emails. So in this particular case, JGDB gives really, really good templates, if you will, in order to that that look like a litigation email with a lot of different windows after open. But what you're really asking about is is this concept of hallucination and the you know, idea like, can I trust the data that is, you know, that is being fed to me from like, the, you know, models uh, by OpenAI, Anthropic, Google, etc., popularized by uh, GPT-4? Can I actually trust this data? And so this is something that we hear from our customers all the time. And so, so one of the areas where, where Instabase invests in a lot is in concepts like validations, making sure that you know any data that comes out is actually cross-checked against a accepted or trusted third-party source. This could be an internal database with regards to a customer name, or it could be an external database like the UK DVLA and check a VIN number. And is this, this car actually what it says in the incoming email? So there are, there are all sorts of ways in which you can clean up, correct, structure, and double-check data that is being generated by generative AI. And it's the combination of these types of technologies that starts to unlock real automations and value um, for the companies we work with. That's great. Now, we'll, we'll talk more about those numbers because really back in that long time ago, 12 months ago, before we were just discovering generative AI, and you were very kind to explain to me one of the use cases that we're going to come on to in a minute. But I, I thought it was fascinating when you were talking about how to use the tools to extract insights into numbers. We'll come back and talk about that later on. Uh, so just in, in terms of answering the question that when you're talking to a prospective client, and I'm a great believer just now in trying to find out what is the one, the one pain point people have got. So if you're talking to somebody and, and you want to explain them how Instabase can help them, you know, what would, you talked a little bit about it just now, so we kind of got a hint, but if it was above all else, what would be in your mind the pain point that an insurer, one of your clients is facing that you would say Instabase has been designed to, uh, to relieve the pain in? So at the, in the very core, Instabase has been designed in order to solve the problem of unstructured data. And I think that unstructured data exists all across the organization. And so examples to think about are random emails coming in from your brokers or customers, requests for proposal or new submissions, and there are associated documents that come with that. In the case of a follow-up claim, your information, you have things like medical records, or in the case of a submission, of course, you have a loss run, you have like a broker presentation and, and schedule value, et cetera, et cetera. And so zooming out, what we conceive of of unstructured data is effectively any type of file, wherever it comes in your organization, that requires a human to have a look at it and make sense of it. And what Instabase does is we are able to understand these files and data at scale, vast scale, exactly as a human would. Uh, with that, we are creating huge efficiencies in terms of time savings, higher accuracy rates, machines actually 
frequently better than a machine of uh, reviewing certain data, as well as giving people time back to do things that are uniquely human. Like claim handling, for example, is oftentimes a very stressful period for, for customers. And so creating more time for claims handlers to actually focus on the human aspects are very, very relevant for our customers. On that last point about giving people time back to do something that is human, I don't know if we're working with this organization, and maybe we shouldn't name them, but a major broker released the news that it's given its uh, its team eight hours a week back to go and do things. Now, given that brokers do a lot of their business uh, out and about, uh, certainly if you're in London, it's uh, often over a meal or a drink. I think <laughs> you can kind of see where the human in the loop is, uh, is working in that stage, but uh, I'd be kind of intrigued to learn a bit more about the use cases. And in fact, we've got, I guess we've got three areas we're going to talk about in the next uh, 25 minutes or so specific use cases that you've got. So before we get on to that, though, I guess one just clarification or confirmation question. The way you described that to me just now, and the way I understand what you do, let me just make sure I've got this right. If you're focusing what you do on information that's already within the control uh, or the domain of your clients. So it's not in like the way chat GPT might work, which it goes out into everything it can find. You're pointing your tools at an organization's own various sources of unstructured data so it can then make sense of them. Is that, have I got that right? Broadly. So the beautiful thing is that all of these different aspects or windows on these technologies that we see are actually all underpinned by the same foundational model. And so and by the same token that we can use foundational models like GPT-4 to generate an entirely new type of document, by the same token in this somebody can write, GPT-4 and foundational models are also able to read. And um, so the so by doing so, you can also understand incoming data and uh, making sense of that. Now, there are additional challenges to, to that in the sense that uh, the systems, downstream systems that subsequently need to process data, need to have that data to be absolutely spot on correct. You know, like you cannot start underwriting on hallucinated data. Um, you cannot process a claim on something that's made up. And so the, what, what Instabase really does is leveraging these types of um, foundational models and uh, develop the infrastructure on top of it to make it extremely easy to create end-to-end -end workflows and make sure that this type of data is absolutely correct. Great. So we've got our use cases to come up, but before we get too far, for our listener, what are they going to take away from this and what, what should they be doing with the information that we're going to be uh, sharing with them over the next 20 minutes now? Your listeners, I imagine, are by and large people who work in an insurance organization and are there in order to create value. And so the things that I would take away, why I would you know, like want to listen more to this conversation, are literally statistics. The customers that we work with who are processing submissions with the help of Instabase have seen a 40% increase in underwriting capacity. That is with the same number of underwriters increasing 40% underwriting capacity, which for uh, one of our customers meant an additional 135 million of GWP. 94% automated processing of emails and attachments. Or when it comes to disability claims, 83% loss adjustment cost avoidance with one in two employees freed up to focus on, on customers. And so these types of percentages are frankly, pretty dramatic. And it's that type of result that I would say makes it really worthwhile you know, focusing on this area. 
yeah, well, you'd say I would. I would agree with you. Can we just come back to that first example, just 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 to make to sort of play out that what that means in practice? So, a forty percent increase in underwriting capacity. You said one hundred thirty-five million dollars of gross written premium. Is that right? Is that how you described it? Just yeah, this is for yeah. one of the larger insurance companies in the UK. Okay. Yeah. So, just practically, what that means is they are able to process more inbound inquiries uh, as opposed to being caught up in time and trying to figure out if they should write it, reject it? Well, there's really two aspects. Volume in terms of this processing more, but also focused, like as in more higher quality submissions. Because what you're really able to do is you're initially, of course, simply able to understand incoming submissions much faster, reject and accept submissions faster and more of them so that the underwriter every morning wakes up and looks at you know his or her underwriting workbench and has like a, a lineup of high quality submissions to underwrite. And so you're busy far less with you know going through underlying documentation and finding the right values because all of those have been pre-populated in the underwriting workbench. Our statistics show and research shows that underwriters can spend up to 70% of their time just looking through data and following up with, with the broker to you know for missing data. And so by taking a lot of that away and focusing the underwriter on just the pure data that is relevant, uh, that obviously is a huge efficiency. But already at the intake point, saying like, hey, we do not underwrite businesses that are above a certain size, or we do not underwrite businesses, we only underwrite in the UK, not in France. And so the the ability to, to understand and automate that process already at the front door, make sure that all of these submissions that end up in the underwriting workbench are also all relevant towards the underwriting guidelines. Yeah, that's really helpful. Thank you. And I want to come back and talk about that underwriting workbench in a minute, but just want to check this out as well then. So this to me sounds like, I mean, first of all, it's fantastic to have those kind of ROI measures. I mean, it's just really compelling when someone's making a business case to go and do this. So if an insurance company's interested in exploring what they could do with you, I'm assuming there's some kind of pilot they can do, can they, where they can say, let's test this out, see what kind of improvements we can get. I would imagine you know, the better they get it, the process, the more the improvements are. But would it be a fair assumption, I don't know this is how you operate, but to say you, people can do some kind of way of understanding what the benefits are, they've already proved they can do that with their own people and their own data. And then that's in a sense, not just your figures, but their figures before they commit to scaling up? Yeah, I mean, in fact, especially for the larger customers that we have who are you know, going to spend a substantial amount of money with us, none of our customers would just take my word for it, right? Like it's, if you're going to spend a substantial amount of money on a critical aspect, such as submission intake or claims processing, which are core operations at an insurance company, you do not just trust the brochure. So like what, so the process that we tend to go through is, is what we call a proof of value. And that might sound a little bit different compared to what, you know, some people are familiar with, like a, which, you know, most people will hear proof of concept or POC, but I myself am not a very big believer in proof of concepts. And the reason why is that technically, yeah, technically Intibase can do some really amazing stuff, mind-blowing things in terms of like extracting information from highly complex documents. But all of that is just interesting if it doesn't actually generate value. And so what we would tend to do together with our customers is go through a process where we identify 
Like, okay, you have where are the bottlenecks in your current operation? Where are you actually spending time reviewing uh, documents and uh, you're losing valuable time? And if we then can prove that we can technically solve for that, you are generating a significant ROI. And so the reason why we invest that time is so that we at, when we come to the end of that process, people actually have built our own business case and say like, okay, this is cool. It technically does what it says on the tin. And we also now know that we would generate significant ROI from doing this. And so that our stakeholder, who inevitably has is accountable to to somebody else in the organization, whether that's your board or your you know manager or like a board of directors, that they can turn around and go with a credible business case to them and say like, look, we want to do this. We want to spend money on this because it's it's going to help our organization. And here is the the facts to prove it. So, Baz, just want to come back to that underwriting workbench point. And what's really interesting for me with talking to companies that are providing technology is how hopefully how seamless. Sometimes it's quite hard. I think in your case, it's going to be quite seamless. How do people access the Instabase applications from their normal, the normal tools they're working with? And you, you mentioned underwriting workbenches, but it'd be just good to understand that a bit more from a practical point of view. Well, it's interesting you asked that, Matthew, because there are today multiple ways in which people can access Instabase uh, for different types of use cases. So the easiest way for an individual who wants to try out without having to go through IT procurement and, and security assessments, et cetera, and wants to try out Instabase, you can simply go to the website and click on AI Hub and upload a document and see how it performs. The interface will be somewhat similar to the ones that people are familiar with, like ChatGPT and, and, and the like. And you can literally start asking questions or build simple applications that can automate something practical in your daily life. Uh, an example for an HR professional could be, hey, I have 500 resumes here. I am looking for name, uh, address, and, uh, coding skills or something like that. And I want to extract that from all uh, 500 resumes. You can build that application all by yourself. No need. And uh, the first 1,000 credits are for free. Um, so that is one simple way of just engaging with the product and see, like, start getting a flavor of how it works. Now, when you start looking at a more complicated environment where you say, okay, well, we have submission intake. I mean, obviously, what I just described isn't going to work. I mean, this uh, Instabase would have to exist within a complex environment that has an email server where you are you know, receiving your broker communications. You have your underwriting workbench, your policy management system, and Instabase needs to exist in that environment. And so Instabase has, has an incredibly modular architecture that allows us to uh, basically morph into a uh, complex IT landscape for some of the largest enterprise customers that we have. And every single aspect of that modular nature is also API enabled, which means that if somebody, you know, like a first step in digitization of a document is OCR. It's a very simple aspect. It just makes a, a document machine readable. And that's the first step. Now, sometimes if somebody already has a an OCR machine that they want to retain. And that is totally fine because within space, we can say, okay, well, cool, then we don't use that module. We'll only use the extraction and validations and integration and enrichment modules. And, and that is totally, uh, that totally works. And so... 
in practice, what you are then able to do is if you take a claims intake, for example, and a lot of people, they have Guidewire Claims Center, which is a very popular uh, claims management system. What you're able to do is to take in, you know, Instabase would monitor an email inbox, whether that is a, you know, like Outlook server or wherever, or integrate with any type of file management system that you have and intake the, the claims documents, then check with Guidewire via API, like, hey, does a shell claim already exist in the system or not? And that makes the match between the shell claim and the, the new information, the documentation, like a medical record that came in. And then subsequently extracts the relevant information out of that uh, medical record and resends it back into Guidewire to complete the claim uh, case in this case. And so there are different ways. The same thing works for underwriting workbenches like Unquark. We uh, work with and lots of other underwriting workbenches that our customers use and want to integrate together with Instabase. That's a very common situation for the customers that we work with where Instabase has to integrate with multiple downstream systems. You know, the same thing applies to like rules engines like Pega, for example, or or indeed some people have elaborate RPA tools already available. Um, so it's like, okay, well, once we have the data completely structured, we have certain things that we want to do and, and we already have made an investment in an RPA tool. Can you integrate with that? Absolutely, we can. Yeah. So many companies that have been successful in technology are completely embracing that platform strategy and just recognize that the, you know, the benefits are going to market when you're working through with others so much better than actually trying to do it alone because i can see why that makes complete sense and baz we haven't talked about the background to instabase I, I know that the company is working with financial services organizations i don't know that's before you're working with insurers but i know you certainly had quite a strong presence there and, I, and you personally came from insurance i mean it's the two questions here i mean one just a little bit more about instabase background and then secondly you know, what was it that took you from working for an insurer to go and cross over and, and work for a technology organization? They're both really cool stories. I think that the story of our founder is probably the most interesting one. So Instabase was founded by Anand Bhagwaj, who was an MIT PhD uh, student who frankly, was so talented at MIT that his own supervisor said, like, well, I think you ought to go to Silicon Valley and just build a company. And and that's exactly what he did. So Instabase was founded in 2015, got uh, very quickly investment from some of the most prominent Silicon Valley VC funds around, including Greylock, Andreessen Horowitz, Index Ventures, NEA, and the likes. And yeah, has been a frankly, a, a phenomenal success. We often refer to ourselves as a upside-down startup. That's kind of an inside joke. And the, the reason why we, we say that is that Instabase's first customers were some of the largest, most complex investment banks in the world. And so it's it's kind of interesting that uh, that those were the first customers, you know, like because banking, because it's regulated and and has very complex IT architecture landscapes, it's not typically the the first uh, place where where you win customers. It's usually the last uh, place. So that's the upside down aspect to it. But Instabase was uniquely targeted to towards the use cases that these companies had. And there was just such high demand that we were able to overcome the the challenges that uh, that these were and have been and are now currently enjoying the uh, clientele of nearly the full global top twenty banks and financial services organizations in the world. Now, a little uh, two and a half years ago, uh, Instabase realized that there might be an even bigger opportunity in insurance. 
And uh, so everything that we that we did in banking, like when you think about a mortgage application, is actually in terms of process when it comes to the documents and the the, the way they come in and how they be underwritten is actually really similar to a commercial submission. In terms of like when you're a technology company, those two look actually quite similar. I realized that any insurance professional look a little bit differently at that. But at that point, they they thought that they looked pretty similar, and uh, but had great difficulties uh, two and a half years ago to actually sell that to to insurance companies, and so they realized that we needed significantly more industry expertise in order to really make these types of awesome technologies work and uh, for for an insurance organization. And so that was the point that I was hired. So prior to that, I had worked for about 10 years as an executive within the AXA group, most recently as technology lead and partner and investor in San Francisco for an outfit called AXA Next, which was the body for AXA that looks at the next offers and for AXA. And at that, I had actually started uh, looking at Incibase and how that could potentially help uh, the AXA group. And I thought it was so in- incredibly interesting. And it was at a certain um, intersection of my own career that uh, when the opportunity came up to join Incibase and do the same thing that we did for AXA with, uh, with many other insurance companies, I jumped at it. And so we are now two and a half years later. And I'm super excited to say that we have nearly entirely replicated the success that we had in banking now with insurance companies where we have the uh, top five in every single insurance segment as our customer, including like commercial lines for life insurance, for brokers and for reinsurance. And uh, so, yeah, we now operate across the entire breadth of the industry. Just super exciting. Uh, well, no, well done. And I noticed that you, your former employer is also one of your clients as well, which is good. And uh, you mentioned right at the beginning there, the Greylock is one of your investors. I'm a big fan of, of Reid Hoffman uh, and his Masters of Scale podcast. So Reid's partner at Greylock also founded LinkedIn. Uh, I don't know if, if you, any of your colleagues have been on his podcast yet, but I'm guessing at some point you might, well, you personally might be uh, might be on a competing podcast with the, uh, the Reid Hoffman podcast. We have benefited tremendously from our investors' expertise and, you know, like specifically when it comes to uh, like growing in large enterprise customers, which is a, a specific skill, it's really hard. And yeah, Incibase, along with a number of other portfolio companies of both Andreessen and Greylock, is oftentimes called out as a example of like how to scale within um, enterprise customers. And we are currently replicating that in, in mid-market as well. Let's see, maybe we can speak again next year and see how we did in mid-market if we were able to replicate the same success as we have done in enterprise. Can you actually just talk a bit about that? Because because I know that's a new venture for you. Like it's part of your expanded role. So enterprise, bigger companies, presumably more expensive, mid-market, smaller companies, Presumably, don't pay quite so much. Well, can you, are you are you ready yet to talk a little bit about what that how that looks, or do we have to come back next year and find out a bit more? No, we're ready uh, to talk about it. We we have uh, landed our first customers there as well. So the journey. Uh, so I mentioned earlier, we were like an upside down startup, and um, that that reflects itself in the technology as well. So like when this first came out, Insubase was established in 2015. Really, uh, we were actively went to market like uh, three and a half years ago, 
And our fair first customers, they needed to have like a lot of engineering capabilities and capacity and a lot of money in order to extract the value out of a complex technology like that. Now, over the past few years, uh, we have invested dramatically in order to simplify the technology, bring the price point down um, so that even a, you know, like a, an individual insurance agent would be able to make use of Insabase and uh, derive value out of it. And so this product offering we call AI Hub. And so we are very, very excited about that. It's bringing a lot of the same features that our enterprise customers enjoy, but frequently in a more simplified manner with and with uh, different types of deployment aspects. So where a some of our older uh, enterprise clients, they, they still desire an on-prem deployment. I mean, obviously, there is like huge costs involved in that. And that works for, can work sometimes for an enterprise customer. Um, but for a mid-market customer, the cost profile of it, that type of deployment would not be acceptable. So for a mid-market and SMB customers, we have SaaS offerings as well as you know, software as a service where, that are a lot simpler to, to deploy. And then we can go into details, but then you have differences like single tenancy and multi-tenancy. But you know, like if, if listeners are interested in that, then we can certainly talk more about that. Yeah, that'd be great. I mean, just you talk about on-prem, so for those that are not familiar with the terminology, it literally means people have the, the application installed within their own, you know, it can still, I guess, be it's in a box. Cloud, but it's, yeah, it's, <laughs> no, yeah it's, it's theirs, no one else can touch it. Uh, we won't get into multi-tenancy, single-tenancy just now, but uh, that's, actually, that's actually really helpful. I mean, and also you mentioned there well, before about people using a credit card to avoid going through procurement. We don't upset any people in procurement listening, but crikey, I mean, insurers could do a lot better in some areas when and procurement can sometimes kill kill innovation in terms of putting people through hoops when they're kind of early stage companies. And and I and actually I really like that model where people can test it first of all, try it out, get a bit of validation and yeah, at some point, yes, you have to scale it and get procurement involved, but certainly if you can make it easier for the buyer. Yeah, totally. I mean some of the 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 forward looking insurers that we work with, they started off rolling out Insabase for their core processes like submissions, like claims, like border handling or beneficiary changes, but then realize that there is significant additional value to be had by the democratization of automation. Now, what I mean by that, that is that if you are, have an organization that has hundreds, if not thousands of employees, then every single person in that organization has certain processes that might be really small, but are, you know, are, have small inefficiencies in them. And if you add them all up across a large organization, then those translate in huge inefficiencies. And so the ability on uh, a technology like AI Hub to develop your own little application or just for yourself or maybe for your team and automate a simple aspect like you know, there was one insurer that we worked with, they had a small operation for windshield repair invoices that, that came in. It would never justify an investment in a full platform of Insabase, but by simply uh, going onto AI Hub, develop a simple application to manage these um, incoming windshield invoices, they were able to basically automate this by just pulling their credit card. And, and, and that worked for them, and that's fantastic. Yeah, no, that's great. And, and that sort of concept of, yeah, is sort of, the way the British uh, cycling team yeah, got to improve, win various medals, this kind of incremental gains, lots of small incremental gains will add up, doesn't in your case, some big big cost savings. Um, well, Baz, we're, we're getting up towards the end of our uh, our time. I guess a couple of questions for you. If I mean, It's extraordinary, really, that 
for most of us, a year ago, this time a year ago, we were maybe just hearing about generative AI or ChatGPT or Bard, but really most of us didn't really know what it could do. If you project 12 months forward, what do you? what's your kind of one area for insurance you'd say it'll just become, you know, it'll just be normal by then for people to be using generative AI tools for? Well, what I'm personally extremely excited about is, and this is a little bit of a sneak peek, I cannot talk about it too explicitly, but you know, obviously we have something cooking in the background in this, in this domain. But what I'm very excited about is that most of the engagements that we currently do with generative AI tools are quite insular. And what I mean by that is that it is typically one person who engages with like or generates like one particular type of document or piece of content or or whatever. And where I am very, where I think is going to be extremely exciting over the like the next twelve months or so is the ability to actually multiply that on, across the both axes. So first of all, can you collaborate? across multiple people and teams with regards to like engaging with a piece of content, whether that is generating new or analyzing it or things like that. And then the other axis do that not just for like one particular file, but do it across thousands or hundreds of thousands of, uh, of files. And so at that point, you are, you know, the ability to query, you know, for an insurance company, for example, a full database or portfolio of insurance policies and all of the underlying submitted data that uh, that was given to as part of the submission that Today, it doesn't the, the data that sits inside that is typically not captured by a policy management system because it's too detailed. So the ability to query an entire portfolio and all of its underlying data instantly with tools like uh, like Incibase and collaborate on those types of analyses with your you know actuarial team or your underwriting or data science team that is where I see this story going, and I think that will get there really really fast. Yeah, no, I can see huge application for that. We, we could spend a whole half an hour talking about those. So when we save that for the uh, for the next one, but is there anything that we haven't covered that we should be talking about at this point? I think that the the only thing that that I would encourage any listener who's you know like really interested in uh, real value creation, leveraging applied AI, to go to insbase.com and try out AI Hub and see how it works for yourself. And if that is if that gives you any flavor at all of like, hey, I think this could work for a certain application or a bottleneck that I face in my organization, then you know, send us an email or get in touch. Great. Well, we'll put that in the episode notes, a link to that. I've got it actually open in front of me. I haven't been rudely trying it out while you've been talking, but uh, it's going to be really helpful to see how that's structured. It looks very clear. So I'm looking forward to testing it out as well. And then finally, Baz, before I let you go, we very much welcome your support at Instec. Uh, it'd be great just to hear why you did that and how's it going for you? So as I mentioned at one point during the conversation, it is one thing to have a really cool technology. It's another to make sure that it actually creates value for a for an industry, in this case, insurance industry. And to to make sure that you create that value, you have to engage and understand the, pro- the unique problems that, um, that an industry like insurance uh, faces and has and be able to empathize with that and show like how technology can, can solve for some of these things. And so why we and I let actually this engagement engage with, uh, with Instec is because it's a unique place where people meet each other. And engaging via Instec with the wider community of insurance professionals who are deeply interested in uh, solving the 
bottlenecks that are, you know, like the insurance industry has, is a was just a phenomenal opportunity, and and that's why uh, we are happy participants in this community. Well, great. Well, thank you for the support. I think last time we saw each other face to face was in New York in June last year. We're we're coming back to see you in uh, in March and June this year, maybe more frequently as well. So we're certainly spreading our our physical and digital wings over to the US. Uh, and again, yeah, really, I mean, just in fascinating working with you. I've, I've learned so much. So so thank you. I think we've answered the final question, which is where do people go for more information? We're going to put the link in the uh, in the episode notes for AI Hub. And there's always LinkedIn for, for tracking down you. But anything else you'd want to point people to to go and learn more about Instabase or learn more about Buzz? People should feel free to look me up on uh, LinkedIn. And I'm... I, I respond typically very quickly. And uh, we have an exciting blog on Instabase.com where we have some of the latest technologies that have come out. And we update that almost on a daily basis. So if people are interested to following you know, the latest in what can be done in, in terms of applied AI, um, then I would encourage people to go there. Bastien de Huey, but it's spelled G-O-E-I. G-O-E-I. Yeah, that's right. I got it right. That right. <laughs> So uh, I'm sure I'll find you that bad. That, that is correct. I think if you look Bastian at Instabase, you will probably be able to find it. <laughs> There's only one Bastian. <laughs> well, that's fantastic. Look, it's uh, it's Friday morning for you. I'm sure you've got a full day. Uh, it's been, as always, delightful talking to you. And I learned a lot. So, Baz, thank you very much. Thanks, Matthew. Have a great weekend. Hello, Ali Smedley from the research team here. Wildfire is a big issue at the moment from the increasingly large losses to political issues around providing insurance coverage in the US. Insect's latest report, Beyond the Smoke, Understanding and Mitigating Wildfire Risk, is now available. It includes analysis of the causes of wildfire, the changing nature of the risk, and the advancements we're seeing in the modelling and tech for understanding wildfire risk. We also cover the companies we know offering solutions in the space. You can download the report for free now from our website, www.insect.co forward slash reports. Well, that's it for today. Thanks again for joining us and thanks for joining us all the way through this year. Uh, if you want to know more of what we're up to in 2024, then take a look at www.instec.co. And of course, you can contact any of us, hello at instec.co or myself, Matthew Grant or Robin Mertens directly on LinkedIn. That's it. One more episode from us before we get to the end of the year. Uh, and then we look forward to hearing or you look forward to you joining us again, I should say, next year. That's it. We're done. <laughs>